before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. I love Santa Claus, and until yesterday, I didn't realize that that American version of Santa, Santa Claus, which really got started back in the early 19th century, was popu popularized by an Anglican priest, the original poem called A Visit also known to us today as On the Night Before Christmas, was published in a newspaper in 1823. The story and the traditions around Santa feeds anticipation and shows both lavish giving and the joy of receiving. There's two key elements, those are two key elements of the first Christmas story when Jesus came to earth. While St. Nicholas himself would object to the comparison, I have to say an adult's anticipation for the coming of Jesus should at least match that of a child's awaiting Santa. Let me say that again. Adults' anticipation of the coming of Jesus should at least match that of a child's awaiting Santa. And so I hope it is with you, dear friend. Surely the Lord is coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus, has been our acclamation starting every service for the last four weeks. And of course, it's been in our prayers. It's been in our Advent wreath prayers too. That word, Maranatha, the Lord Jesus has come. Come Lord Jesus. And here we are on the verge of Christmas. The last Christmas more, the last morning, rather, of waiting for Christmas. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and blessedly, in the next several hours, or perhaps unblessedly, if you're trying to write two sermons, it's crammed a week's worth of readings. A week's worth of reading. All of Advent 4 here is crammed into the next several hours as we prepare for Christmas. It's an oddity in our calendar. While the earlier Sundays in Advent have focused on the final coming of Jesus in great glory, today focuses on his coming at Christmas as a humble baby and the anticipation of King David and Jesus' mother for his coming. Both readings today that we read, the Old Testament and the Gospel reading, deal with, number one, the identity of Jesus as a son of David, and number two, God's temple. The identity of Jesus and God's temple. Did you catch those themes? It jumped out to me as I read the gospel today that the angel Gabriel specifically tells Mary that this Jesus will be the son of his father, David. Did you catch that in verse 32? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne, rather, of his father David. Sorry, I misspoke there. The throne of his father David. And so what's going on with Jesus is something unique, of course, in history, to be the Son of God and the Son of Man, as we say and sing in our Christmas carols. And the gospel reading today is that of the Annunciation, which is just a fancy way of saying the announcement. 
the angel Gabriel's announcing this to the Blessed Virgin Mary and God's visit to her personally and to the earth through her. Again, look at the Gospel passage. This time look at verses 30 through 33 where we read, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And continuing, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king, in his, of his kingdom there will be no end. But God didn't spring Jesus on the world. While this great mystery was fully revealed at Christmas, it had been foretold. And the prophet Nathan foretells it to King David those hundreds of years before. Look at the Old Testament reading with me. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14, which Billy read for us this morning. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, and, you shall, and who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And then the prophecy diverges a little bit because Nathan's talking about Solomon here in the first, the first fulfillment of this prophecy. But of course we know that if you only apply this prophecy to Solomon, the rest of this doesn't make sense. Right? And so this is one of those times in the Bible where the prophecy is applied and has multiple reverberations. That happens a lot in the Bible. But all of time and life is the gift of God. And there are miracles upon miracles. What theologians such as Cyril and Athanasius and Chrysostom call the mysterion of the faith. Both the identity of Jesus Christ and his method of entering the world are such mysterions, such mysteries. Take a moment to think about it and behold. Not dissect, but behold. Both the identity of Jesus Christ and his method of entering the world are mysteries. God's promise to David was lavish. The prophet was speaking a prophecy on that, those several levels. But David's son Solomon would build a temple also for God's name. Do you know that? And we read just a couple weeks ago, it might have been last week in the sermon even, that God's glory would fill that temple bringing blessing to the world. But here we have David's greater son, Jesus. And who is the temple of Jesus? It's a bit of a trick question. There's two answers. Who is the temple of Jesus? Well, the more forthright one from the gospel today is Mary. Mary is the temple of Jesus. Mary is the temple in which Jesus, the, God, the Son of God, God himself, meets the earth and mankind. In the conception of Jesus Christ in Mary's womb, 
God and man come together. And that's the definition of a temple, the meeting place between God and man. She was to bear God in the flesh, an eternal king whose kingdom would have no end. Behold that mystery, dear friends. Miracles are defined as God's intervention, his overriding of his own natural laws. But here we have a mystery beyond even a miracle that it's hard to even fathom. That a virgin conceiving in her womb in a child holds all things of the Almighty. Certainly, both a nature created and a nature uncreate, as the Athanasian Creed testifies to, within this woman, within herself. Well, how humbling that must have been, to, and how mind-blowing that must have been, to have the infinite within herself. God, infinite act, beyond the heavens, beyond the cosmos, beyond all things created, was growing in her. Why is that significant? Well, the enemy of God, the devil, uses Eve, way back in Genesis, and then Adam, in his attempt to destroy creation, right? But God doubles down on his original plan. Don't miss that. God doubles down on his original plan here. In what the reading that we didn't read today from Romans 16, chapter 25, calls the mystery that was kept secret for ages. That is, that through a man, the son of Adam and a son of David, all would be redeemed, for he was also the son of God. And that men and women who are obedient in faith shall be saved. And that this would happen because a woman said yes to be his temple to receive him into herself. That is a mystery. Something for us to meditate on and behold. But it's also a model. For our response should be like Mary. Mary is the temple of the Lord. But do you know who else is the temple of the Lord? By that action, you and me as the church, you and me personally as members of the church are temples of the living God. In 1 Corinthians, we read St. Paul who writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves, he continues. If any of you thinks that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolish in God's sight. And just as the wisdom of this world is foolish in the Annunciation, how can it be that a virgin would give birth to a son, let alone the Son of God? So the wisdom of the world and of Christianity is foolish, or the word, rather, of Christianity is foolish when beheld by our world. We shouldn't be surprised by that. And yet Mary, as a model, shows how we should answer to that 
which seems foolish. First she asks innocently, how will this happen? How can this be since I am a virgin? Notice and contrast her answer with Zechariah's answer. Right? Remember Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is struck dumb for his answer. And that's a whole other sermon, so I'll withhold on that. But there's a contrast here. Mary is just seeking to accept the mystery presented to her. Second, Mary submits and accepts the word of God. Look at what she says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And third, she rejoices in anticipation. Dear Christians, God has made you holy so that you can be a temple to his name. Behold that fact. You are a temple to God. He dwells in you. Mary submits to the word of God. And there are many today echoing Satan's words in the garden to, to Eve, asking you and me, did God really say, did God really say, fill in the blank. But God has given us his word as a light and a guide to behold, to submit to, and to live out and rejoice in. For finally, Mary rejoices with all her heart. Rejoice, dear friends, not just for the Christmas season, but for the rest of your lives, anticipating the fact that the Holy Spirit does live in you and Jesus will return for you and has given himself to you eternally to enjoy. Sometimes, yes, we forget the lavishness of giving and the joy of receiving. At such times, Christmas reminds us to have the faith of a child. Back to the night before Christmas, if we look at the analogy, as God the Father gives so much more than Santa does, but Mary's simple response is that of a child, awe, acceptance, anticipation, and joy. After agreeing, she sings her heart out as never before in that song known as the Magnificat. My, my soul doth magnify the Lord, or as we said this morning, sang this morning, paraphrased, tell out my soul the goodness of the Lord. Miracle upon miracles, mystery upon mystery, gift upon gift, joy upon joy. As Christians, that is your song, dear believer. Don't forget it. Don't be distracted. Don't be detoured. You hold within yourself God himself. And when you have conversations with those people with whom you meet with, you bring with you God himself, his holy name. You are a meeting place between God and man, for God has chosen it to be so. And that, too, is a mystery. And so, as we go forth unto Christmas Eve, embrace the mystery, behold it, meditate upon it, adhere to the Lord's word, and rejoice. For God has made you his own, by his grace, for his glory. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.